Good morning. It's um, Thursday. Theology Thursday. Um, hope everyone is having a good week. For those of us who are um, Church of God in Christ, we're getting geared up for our big meeting of the year, the Holy Convocation, uh, which will take place in St. Louis. Um, and next week, week after next, next week, we're we're heading into the Holy Convocation season, waiting on Elder David Hall to join us, and looks like we may have him coming in. Um, let's see if we got him. It's taking its time about adding him in. <laughs> And lo and behold, we have him, and it looks like he's near food, as usual. And I don't know, one of us is, uh, one of our connections is um, shaky. I don't know hey, I'm, I'm here, hey. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Um... Well, the Lord saved you from being under the bus this morning. Praise the Lord. He, he saved me. Look at that. All that time. I was worried about not making it, but the Lord saved me from being under the bus. God is good. It's good to see you, Marvel. It's good to see you, too. Now, how far are we from the Holy Convocation? We're close. What, two weeks, 10 days, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. I'm leaning on me. I'm looking forward to the convocation. I am too. All the next couple of years, but I've had Marvel. I've had some career things going on. Can you hear me? I Barely, but you know, your your screen your screen was freezing on me. Yeah, and I think it disconnected. The whole, I mean, the whole, yeah, the whole I'm audience. here. Apparently, the whole audience is leaving. Yeah, right apparently, now. we're losing everybody. I know. I'm, I'm me and these, um, this earpod, AirPod, whatever these things are. Um, it disconnected, and then yeah. it tried to start doing something else. So I may have to go get my actual real, real um, thing. I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I can talk to them till you get back because I'm gonna tell you. Hey, Jekyll, I'm gonna tell you that this is gonna be a problem because your earpods ain't gonna cooperate. Oh, you already you already see that spirit of confusion in them. I see that spirit of confusion. <laughs> okay, let me see. I think I have my other ones here in my bag. All right. And um, I'll switch them out. Yep, here they are, right here in my bag. All right. So. So let's, um, let's we're gonna we're are we we're picking up um with our Joshua text, right? We are still with Joshua. And there, was, um, there was another topic. There was one more topic that came up, wasn't it? Um, I think we were. Let me see what my notes say here. Um, I wanted to talk about 
masculine affirmation in this text. And I also wanted to talk about um, Rahab. Rahab. And, and, it, and then the other thing was uh, the commander of the Lord's army. Uh-huh. I don't think we ever established um, what that was. Okay, the screen's going to move a little bit because the port to put this in is on the bottom of this device. So That's fine. That's fine. Do what you got to do. Me, let me do this. We're going to talk about talk about Rahab. Huh? Rah- Rah- Rahab is the... Is, is that is, better? Yeah. Rahab okay. is the reason we have the worst, the worst sermon title of all time. The worst sermon title of all time. There's a hooker in the house. I hate that sermon what? title. There's a hooker in the house. I heard. I heard oh yeah, yeah. I heard. I heard different guys preach that. I hate that. I was like, oh, so I think what this, this is why why I like Rahab. Your picture is frozen on my end. I don't know why. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's frozen for the viewers or just for me. Because most of the time when I go back and watch it, it's fine. It just oh, freezes okay. up on the on the thing. But anyway. Um, yeah, so what I want to talk about with Rahab, Rahab does something really awesome that I think we miss, because like you said, everybody wants to talk about, you know, she's a prostitute. Um, but Rahab is actually really awesome because she has the one of the best examples of the art of negotiation. Wonderful negotiation. It's an absolute wonderful negotiation. Um, and I always tell people, if you're going to negotiate, negotiate a win-win. Mm-hmm. And, and she does that for herself. And if you're not a good negotiator, see, a poor negotiator would have negotiated, how much are you going to charge me not to tell? Or how much are you going to pay me if I let you stay here? Or if you don't give me X amount of dollars, I'm going to tell them, you know, all kinds of stuff. But negotiation for Rahab was like, okay, look, let's negotiate how this works out for everybody here. Because we already know what the Lord has said. I need in on it. And this is what I need out of it. So we are extolling the virtues of, um, of a prostitute knowing how to negotiate her price. I just want you to Put that in your brain that, that that's what you just said. It's a good thing <laughs> about this character. <laughs> you see my face? Can you see my face? That's it. Can, that's can it. you see? And I understand that, that some of our colleagues will, will spin that. I, I get that. I so get that. But to respond to what you said, yes. Marvin, that's not spin. I'm that's not spin. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm going to say, I, yes, I'm sticking to my guns on that. I am sticking. I'm sticking to my guns because you know why. Why is that? Um, I think that women who are affirmed in their faith mm-hmm. should be better negotiators. You think should be <laughs> okay. So if 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 you want to say that you know you're you're a higher higher standard or whatever, get your negotiation skills too. Okay. What's wrong with that? I think I think. I think for you that, that, that matters for a different reason in terms of being a woman in ministry, being able to kind of compromise um, what you want for a larger picture of um, the best you can get and then being able to parlay that to what you actually want because uh, the, the beautiful thing about Rahab is not that she makes it out. It's just that uh, uh, supposedly 
I mean, her, her, not her, just her, her whole family, her whole family, right? And then she ends up, you know, in the best lineage of all time. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and 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 which means that she's integrated into the larger, the larger community. They don't, they don't, they don't, um, they don't bring her. They don't save her family and then ostracize her as you know. You're one of those Canaanites, but she becomes part of the larger community. So and th- 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 there are a lot of good things to kind of point out about that. Um, I, I, again, using this text or these particular, these particular uh, chapters, you know, it, it, it is, it is a, it's a sea change for the people of God. They are literally going... Sea change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. C-S-E-A? Yeah, it's it, 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 it's a whole. It's, it's it is a. Um, your picture a, is still frozen on my. Is end. it really? Is it, is it frozen on your end? No, no, no. I'm using my hands and everything. Like I'm saying it like this and everything. <laughs> like, like, oh like yeah. The, so, like the I don't know. Ask, ask somebody who's watching us if they're seeing the freeze or if you're. Because um, some a- Angela said it was freezing, but mine is doing fine now. But your picture is still frozen, so I don't know. No, let's 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 see. Let's just we'll, we'll worry about it later. Let, let, right. me, let me make this point. That okay, is, this, yeah, this, explain this C thing to me. This, 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 is the, this, is the third, this is the third major change for them. All right? The mm. first change was going from slave to free. The second change was learning to cope with the responsibility of freedom while yet being on uh, what amounts to a, uh, a blessing plan of, of, of God sustaining you in a place where uh, nothing is ever sustained, the wilderness. And then you're going from wait. That. Nothing is sustained in the wilderness. Yeah, what 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 is sustained in the wilderness? This idea that the wilderness can sustain anybody uh, is belied by the fact that God feeds them. They, they, God didn't tell them, "Hey, go out and hunt for your own food." Okay. Well, yeah. um, so, so let me let me let me let me let me three. Okay. Well, then go. Let me get number three, and then you, you know come I'm back. I'm from the woods. I know you are. Let me let me finish number three, and then you go. And then having to having to get a whole different um, set of people motivated for this new vision of conquering. So they 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 go they go through three different changes there, and, and they stop getting manna at some point. So they do start eating off the land. Right, right, right. Well, at some point in time, they do stop getting manna. You might want to go back and check and see when that is. It's in there in the in the book. Remember, remember, remember how I took you to Deuteronomy first chapter first, right? And God oh, says, and says, and God says, "Yo, you've been here too long, right?" When God determines that they've been here too long, He slowly starts removing the underpinnings of their, you know, survival from there. You know, God doesn't declare you've been somewhere too long, and yet continues to let you survive comfortably where you are. He pushes you forward. What you I want agree, to go and I not. think, and I think that's that's a, you know you always hear this um, from from milk to meat thing. You know, people like to preach that context, but um, I, I, that's I think that is significance in the stopping of the manna because okay, I put everything here in front of you. Right. Learn how learn how to live with what I have given you. Do it yourself. And, 
Yeah, and and that's I think that's part of the I think that is the empowerment. The, 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 the supreme blessing from God is not God giving you what you need to survive. The supreme blessing from God is God empowering you to do it yourself. Well, do it yourself with the resources that have been given. Because they I mean they're in a, they're in a place where they have access to what they need. Right. Which which we can I, I don't know, would you take a comparison to that? How would you compare that of them coming out of the wilderness into this promised land? Um would you would you draw a connection to um Eden? No. But I mean I understand why you could. Because I mean, you have you you have provision. Is, right, you have you provision. Know. But 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 now you have provision that's on condition. God says, you know, hey Adam, dress it and keep it. You dress it and keep it, it'll produce. Right? So there's still some interactive responsibility there. You have to dress it and keep it. And you're responsible for everything for in the garden. As they go into the promised land, it is too because right. there's people already there, so right. you gotta go take it. It's yours, yeah. but go, but go take it. There's people really? already in there. You gotta go take really? it. Really? I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta remove something else from what you've given me. All right, so now, now hold on, hold on, wait, wait. Now, the, can we can we jump in with the the, the modern day liberation the liberation theology take on that right there? With, I'm scared. I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just scared. So, so now there was a book. I think you may have read this book. The voices of the disinherited, right? And so what they do is they compare the conquest of Canaan to the conquest of America, and they say, you know, they they say, well, you know, the text has said that it's okay to take land from people that are already there and take their stuff, and it's it's basically a deconstruction of the biblical text. Oh, for the for the purposes of. Um, of reconstructing it in a way that uh, uh, so so raising raising my hand at this point. Go ahead. Is this is this the part where I get to say or I don't get to say that there's an unspoken un- understanding of what is being said when people say Judeo Christian? I mean, you can throw it in there if you want to. This is just this is this is just this is just my um, because I your... think that but that falls into it because this mm-hmm. this right this sense of right. Well, entitlement well, or um, promise. Well, I think I, I think what I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm getting at is, the liberation theologian says the problem here is that the text sanctions disinheriting people for uh, the purposes of giving someone else their stuff, right? Right. And what I'm saying is that is a deconstruction of the text that we teach that we have to preach faithfully. How do we? How do we? who have seen or witnessed such dis- disinheriting uh, here in America, how do we preach this text in a, in a redemptive manner to, let's say, people who have experienced this, this situation? How do you take this text to Africans, to South Africans, who have had their land taken from them and I'm just, I'm just saying that this. And, and, well, and that's why I draw the connection between this, this concept of Judeo-Christian, mm-hmm. because who is Judeo-Christian, and who is, who has the authority or the the right to just take? Because it's because this is, this has been given to me. 
You know, it's it's the difference in saying something was stolen or conquered. It, it's all in perspective. And well, how you theologically frame that becomes well, well, very large. And, and I would say that that's true. But I think what I'm ultimately trying to say, because remember, I'm not on the faith, I'm not on the side of the liberation theologian. I, I don't I don't necessarily like um, how they read the text. Um, constant deconstruction of everything is a problem. But I think ultimately what I'm saying is we have to kind of make the choice in our preaching that there are some uncomfortable realities in the text. And if you read it a certain way, there are some things that are uncomfortable. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the text is unvalid. It doesn't mean that some things are just the way of the world. People's are, people are conquered. People are, are, um, are um, uh, given an opportunity to flourish. And if they don't flourish, sometimes another culture comes in and, and um, runs them out. This is how it's been, you know, for, for years in, on the earth. Does it make yeah, it right? Angela, Angela is talking about um, the, the prophecy has 50% conditional. Um, yeah, I don't, this, here's the thing, God is not giving prophecy like, you know, like we, like he's buying a lottery ticket. Like if you have, if you have the right numbers that you'll, you'll, you'll get blessed. You know, God's prophecy is not conditional. When he puts Wait, in the order. you mean to put, tell me, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me mm -hmm. that if I just don't like quote the right scriptures and buy a lottery ticket, it's not going to work out for me. It ain't going to work out. You play, if, if, if you play John 316, <laughs> Romans 1912. Uh, and somebody's going to go play those now because you're saying them. Yeah, you know Gen that, right? Genesis 1 and 27. I, 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 know, some, I know some of them people. Right. They're going to, they, they scratching them numbers in them little boxes. Right, said, now, right, like, right, yeah. right now, they scratching right. them numbers in. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but God's word is yay. So, it, you know, and this whole idea that, you know, God speaks on condition, it, 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 that's one, that's something that bothers me. You know, are, are we, are we able to thwart God's will? And I would say yes. Okay. I mean, I, I was, I would say yes. I mean, we do do things well, to thwart now, God's wait, will all the time. No, okay. Okay. Now, but are we able to, are we able to thwart his overall, his overarching well, will? Well, so before you, before you go down that road, I have to ask you for some clarity. Uh Oh, so I need some clarity mm -hmm. to make sure that we're not heading towards being Calvinistic. Oh man, we're on our way. We're running down that. We're running down that block hard. Okay. We are now, on our way. As, as as good Pentecostals, I'm gonna need you. I'm gonna need you. I'm gonna need you to set the table properly. Well, no, I mean, now don't get me wrong. I'm not a Calvinist at all. But this is. But 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 I'm saying, when we start talking about, you know, the Word of God or conditions as it pertains to God's Word, you know. At some point in time, God has a God has an overarching will, right? God has a will. We can agree on this, right? Mm -hmm. Now, now whether that will applies to us personally or not, we can debate that. Honestly, we can, because you can participate in His will, or you can choose not to participate. But He still has a will that's going to happen. He has a will that's going to happen on this earth, regardless. At some point in time, it's going to happen, right? We agree. So, on that, are right? you saying that we cannot 
we can we can delay, but we cannot stop God's will. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm saying that I don't think that we are key enough that, that we are key players enough to uh, to effect God's overarching will. And and when God, when we say, Lord, you know, I want Your will for my life, then I mean that's 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 a that's a combination of of, of humbling yourself and disciplining yourself to make it happen to allow God's will to, you know, be effective in your life. But Oh, you mean like submission? Yeah, like submission, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of I think a lot of cuz I I was talking to this lady last week and she was explaining to me that there were certain things that God was not going to do in her life because God was going to give her the desires of her heart. Hallelujah. And and I said, "Okay, but so if it's God's plan to bring this to your life, Mm-hmm. She said, "Oh no, he's not going to bring that to my life because he knows that's not what I want." I said, mm. "So you said you so so now God only gives us what we want? I, I need to go back and revisit some stuff because that hasn't always been my story." Yeah, you know that's that's, she that's was interesting. That God would that God would not do certain things in her life because that's not what she wanted. Well, so I guess the question becomes: This, this is what happens when we when we base a large portion of our theological beliefs on one scripture and we and we take away good old fashioned experience. The question Oh, is, you mean like we supposed to read the whole Bible? I mean <laughs> the whole one, the whole thing. Like like all sixty six of all the, six and all six, prophets and they talk all about that this too. Stuff what? And Jesus the, all that, the, all you know, somebody, it. somebody begat and begat and begat. Like, we need to know all of it. All of it. Here's the thing. I guess the question I would have asked No, Jacqueline, is, she's a seasoned saint. She's been <laughs> saved for many years. And that's why she had, she knew God well and she knew what God would and would not do for her and would Maybe. not put in her life. You need to stop. She, 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 might be, she, might, she might be watching you right now while you're tripping. Here's the thing. The question and, I would, and, no, and it really I know I know you mother okay here's the thing this is, the question I would have asked is will God give you the desires of your heart or will God give your heart what to desire that awesome that awesome. that that is what that's what I would awesome. that's what I would have asked her because now if, if if her heart is desiring what God's will is then certainly well, I tried she that, she, I tried she, that she, angle no she she I tried that angle. She she was adamant. adamant. But but I yeah, she was adamant. But that was my point to her was would you not trust what God wants for you more than you trust what you want for you? Mm. And she stuck to her guns. She stuck she was like, No, God is not gonna give me that scenario in my life because I because that's not what I want, so he wouldn't do that to me. I said, But what if that is the very thing that God wants for your life. No, he's not going to do that. And I mean, we're not talking about a young person. We're talking about somebody who's probably in their 50s. And she's been saved for many years and she knows the Lord very well. And I mean, she laid it out for me as to why her and the Lord had this understanding that the Lord ain't going to give her nothing she don't want. What, what, I guess my question is, why would... Hmm, that's, really, that's, really, that's really interesting. Why would she hold on to this considering that what she wants what if what if she wants is actually cursed or the wrong path you know i mean our our, our desires 
are not given to us with long term thought in mind. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, when I when I well, want, we, when, we I when I wanted when I wanted Beyonce, yeah, exactly. when when I wanted Beyonce, I didn't have a long term thought in mind that she was really gonna start dating Jay Z. Well, this you is just couldn't a, afford her either. You couldn't but, afford her. Well, we're making a point. I'm making a point. I'm making a point. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. So I didn't give any long-term thought to it, right? But what God has, there is long-term thought behind it, right? Mm. So, so whereas I say, hey, I may want this, and and, and and you know, I'm thinking, you know, at best five years, you know, ten years maybe. But God is thinking how it affects my generations two two generations from now. I mean, exactly. Think and about that's, that's the significance what? of Rahab, because Rahab, Rahab is part of a much bigger picture. Much oh, bigger picture, yeah. Angela, Angela, our target is empowerment, Joshua 1 through 6. That's what we're supposed to be talking about, but we go like all around. We are talking about it, but I am so in Joshua 1 through 6 right now. We we're are. We're in Joshua. So we're actually more in Joshua. We're more in Joshua 1 through 6 than we probably have ever been. On any text when we have these conversations. Exactly. We are definitely we're actually, we're actually probably really being theological today. Except for this next example that I'm going to give. <laughs> <laughs> Except for he's going to mess that up. Okay. I'm ready. Go for it. Oh, is it really? It's my turn. It's my turn. Well, you said your next example. Well, it's like, it's like with Saul and the Amalekites, right? So guys, if we still in, you just left Joshua, didn't you? I just told you I was going. I told you my next example. So so God says, "Hey Saul, do I get I a book, chapter, and verse, or is this just a, a story uh, thing?" Let's, let's see, First uh, Samuel. Oh goodness gracious! You first, would take a book I've never read. Oh, uh, you read First Samuel? I think it's like First Samuel. Uh, either 12 or 13. You know what is really fun? Right Samuel, what? First Samuel 12 and 13? Okay. You know what is 12 really fun or to do? It What's is that? really fun to sit in church and watch people who can't find the text. <laughs> that is, that's, that's pretty fun. Why are you doing that, Marvin? Well, because I probably, most of the time I find them too quickly. This is why you need so, to sit in the pulpit. <laughs> This is why you need to be sitting in the pulpit. <laughs> this is why you need to be sitting in the pulpit right there. No, it's First Samuel 15. I'm sorry. I was off by two chapters. You right, know so what? I'm going to need you to stick to the matter at hand. All right. All right. Just hang in here. Stop, stop interrupting me. First Samuel what? 15. First Samuel 15. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you just tickled with yourself, aren't you? <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. So God says, hey, yo, Samuel, I want you to kill all the Amalekites. I want you to destroy them. Kill every one of them. Dash their babies' heads on the rocks. All right, God says that, right? Now, 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 who would say, you know, a loving God would say, do this, you know, kill every one of them. Commit, commit to complete and total genocide. Destroy everything that is an advocate, Genocide right? Genocide in the Bible? Right, hold on, does before you get more political. Let me finish. Samuel, Samuel, this is this, this is what God told tells uh, Saul to do, right? Well, Saul doesn't do that, right? Now the Amalekites are kind of a constant problem, but not really, until Mordecai and the boys and Esther 
get ready to get Mordecai killed. and the boys. Get ready to get killed by an Amalekite who has a big pro- who has a who has a big plan to destroy all the uh, all the uh, Jewish folks in Persia. He's a Am- Haman. Haman's an Amalekite. Now, God saw way down the line. Hey yo, these Amalekites are gonna be an issue for y'all if y'all let them live. Haman's gonna try to destroy y'all generations from now. Well, and that and 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 back to Joshua. There's there's some specific things that God tells them about making clear. And uh, what is it? Is in Judges too, where God gives them some very specific instructions. Right. About the, and and Joshua which says, don't don't go to the right or to the left. Just stick right. to the plan. Stick to the plan. And and so I think a lot of times when when people um, start making these assumptions that they know what God is doing, we have a very limited perspective, like you said, on the bigger picture. Um, we know the information that we know, but God knows all of the information. Right. So right. so how can we not be trusting of God's knowledge? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what takes, that's where just a basic belief and that catapults you into truly being able to trust what God is doing. Because right. it may not make sense to us in what mm-hmm. we see now, but right. the bigger picture has, like you said, generational implications. Generational implications, right. which, which is why when your friend says, you know, God's only going to give me what I want. She's not my friend, but she's just the person I know. But okay, go ahead. Okay. That's why when this sister that you know says God's going to give me what I want, at some point in time, you have to ask her, what if what you want ain't good for your children or ain't good for your grandchildren? What if what you want is so self-centered that it doesn't, you know, it's not good for anybody? What if God gives you the house that you want, the $300,000 house, and then you die two years later? And then you wrap your you wrap your family your posterity up in a situation that they can't get out of, and your the inheritance you could have left them mm-hmm. is destroyed, right? I mean, the Bible says in the Proverbs thirteen that to uh, you, you, to leave an inheritance if you don't leave an inheritance for your your generations, you know you you're terrible, you're evil if you don't leave an inheritance. What happens if the inheritance you leave? Is so bad that it causes more good, more, more damage than it does good because it's you a got liability what, and not right. an asset. Yeah, you got what you wanted. What you leave you them a want. car note and a house and a mortgage. <laughs> right, 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 right. And no Thank, alternatives. Right. Thanks, Ma, for the Mercedes Benz that you bought. That now I got to spend six hundred and ninety dollars for a month plus insurance because you had terrible credit when you got what you wanted, and then died. You know, a year and a half later. And you know, not being well, tried. No, so. I know you're not being tried. And I think, um, you know, the type of work that we do, where you see, you see the real life application of these kinds of scenarios. Right. You, right. you know, you see people that really were not able to see the bigger. That's what Dr. Pepper meant. Thank you. Of um, of what they were doing and how it affects other people around them. And yeah. and in that, I would say. Um, there's another component to that for those who are in ministry. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because what you what you attach yourself to when you're in ministry can totally shift the amount of progress that you make in ministry. Oh my God. Absolutely impede the progress. Absolutely destroy the progress. Well, I wasn't going to use a big word, but since you used a big word. Oh my God. <laughs> impede. Marvin, with that, with that in mind, can I, I want to bring up, this is a, this is an offshoot right quick, but I want to bring this. I want you to talk to me about this. I'm I want so you to, scared. I'm I want scared. you to speak on this. Okay. No, don't be scared. I know you heard the brouhaha about this preacher being up in the pulpit and declaring that the devil is a GD liar. You heard, you heard that? Yeah, I, I, yeah. The guy was in the pulpit and, uh, you want me to respond to this concept? Not yet. I mean, we can okay. agree. That, we can agree that the devil is certainly a liar, and he's probably, you know. Well, I mean, I have several angles on it, but go ahead. He's he's, he's definitely damned. We definitely agree with that. But okay, so I guess go ahead the, and make your point, so I can so I can stand on my the, soapbox. All right. The question is the appropriateness from the pulpit. Is the is is the shock value worth? Sacrificing the appropriateness in the pulpit, and I know that we, I know we got to go back to Josh. We'll give it to Joshua. I, I ain't lost my place, but the shock value because people seem to be like they seem to really love that. They was going crazy with that. What is is it that? my turn now? Go ahead. Go now. Yeah, go okay. ahead. So, <clears throat> first, let's start off. <laughs> is it my turn now? <laughs> Can I go? Yeah, because you know, you know, you know I got some stuff to say on that. I, stop asking me. <laughs> yeah, like that. So, um, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. When you stand behind the sacred desk, mm. you are no longer accountable to yourself mm. or yourself. Mm -hmm. When you are behind the sacred desk, all other agendas aside mm -hmm. because you are there representing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's not the time or the space to go off for these other things. Now, my, I, I have several, you know how I feel about people that are allowed to do ministry and, and, are probably should not be doing ministry. Um, I would want to know where is his system of accountability. I would want to know where his credentials came from. Mm. Because if he is able to speak in that manner in the context of his sermon, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. he's he. Even what most people don't realize about non-denominational churches, they still got credentials from somewhere. Yeah, but they don't have any. But there's no ability to correct them. There may not, depending on the system, because we we're under an Episcopal system. The Church of God in Christ right. is an Episcopal system, and right. there is a structure of accountability. Right. There are a lot of organizations where there is no or no limited accountability. accountability. Amen. So basically, you can just do whatever, say whatever you want. Right. So I would want to know, um, because he still should be in some type of fellowship. He should mm -hmm. be in some sort of fellowship um, that would give him some component of accountability. Mm -hmm. So those are those are 
um, if you will, polity issues on the matter. From a spiritual standpoint, mm -hmm. spiritually, he is reproducing what he is delivering to his audience. Okay. In other words, there has to be a level of agreement with his hearers for him to, for them to sit under his teaching. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when he says something like that, that's probably not the first time. And they're probably not very shocked. And they're probably okay. So, mm -hmm. this says something about the larger picture mm -hmm. of who you sit under and where they are in their spiritual journey. Because a pastor, is a, a pastor or a preacher is going to reproduce in their audience what they're reproducing in their own personal life. It's mm. guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Mm. You want to go to a church and it's full of sissies, I guarantee you leadership has some issues with sexuality. It's a guarantee. It's an I'll put I, now I won't play the lotto, but that I would I would put money on. Because uh -oh. there's some there's something that has to happen when you set the tone for the house. Well, let me let me jump in there right quick. My tendency is to agree with you. Your tendency? There's a conjunction. I hear the conjunction coming. <laughs> conjunction. But I know. What's but I, your function? But I know okay, preachers. But I know preachers who have uh, sizable congregations. And they are definitely not in favor of these types of lifestyles, but they yet they flock to their ministry. You can't. You, the sick folk are gonna come to the hospital, so you can't. You can't keep them out the hospital. I, I, I don't have. I don't have these sexuality issues, but I would hope that if I'm preaching a gospel that's that's helping sick people, I would hope that the sick folk would come to the hospital. I would hope that they would come to hear. What I'm I'm saying very much so, so but yes, I'm saying from the, from the leadership standpoint, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because there's a difference. Here's here's a here's the thing about um, human behavior. Okay, clinic clinic. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get clinical for a minute. Oh jeez, human oh, behavior. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I know. How dare mm. I be a smart girl? Um, <laughs> human behavior has a lot to do with your environment. Okay. One of the things that happens with very small children, the way they learn is from the interaction and behavior of those around them. Okay. So if you ever, I have, matter of fact, I have a friend that has a daycare. And when my son started going to her daycare, he would not sit still. He was a little bouncing baby boy. <coughs> And every day, the first day I went there and he was sitting in his chair, he did not get out of his chair until she told him, you know, there's your mom. There you go. Oh, wow. So after about a week and every day I go and he's sitting there in his chair and he does not get up until she says, there's your mom. There you go. So I asked her, I said, how do you get him to sit there? Because at home, he's always moving about. Mm -hmm. She said, easy. She said, there's a certain time of the day and all the children have their chair and they sit in their chair because we're getting ready to go home. Mm -hmm. And I said, 
But why is he still sitting there? She said, because all of the children are sitting there. So the children that have already been acclimated to this environment sit down and children instinctively fall in line. Now, this is what happens to us when we become part of a community of faith. When you become part of a community of faith, you start navigating what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. And we know this because all our lives we have heard about the people who were unable to fall in line and they were called what? Rebellious. If you cold it, yes. <laughs> I guess if you cold it, they were called rebellious. With the spirit, with, with the spirit of, of witchcraft too. With the spirit of witchcraft. Okay, stay, on, stay, 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 stay on the page. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Because that's I'm a whole nother, that now that's a whole that's a whole nother show. I know, I know, I know. I know Rebellion I know. and witchcraft is a whole nother show. Another but show, anyway, another show. so so in that, what I'm saying is, once the tone has been set for the house. You know, if, if if you came to my house, there are certain things that are not going to happen in my house. Right. So if you want to do those things, you have to go to another house. Right. You're, you're, you're welcome to go wherever what you want to do is accepted, not accepted in my house. Not just here. The church is that standard bearer. Right. So when the church sets that standard... There, yes, there are going to be people that come, but they're coming because what in their spirit they're saying is they're trying to navigate their mm-hmm. spiritual journey, and okay. they are they're optimistic that something happens in this worship setting that mm-hmm. helps them navigate that. So yes, mm-hmm. you will have all kind of people that, as you say, come to the hospital. That will come to the place where healing is available, where deliverance is available. Right. But in that, if they're never told you need to be delivered from this and there's a check mark that says it's all okay, then they're at that point are pushing what we see in our culture now, which is there's no standard. So if there's no standard coming from the pulpit, what happens to the standard in the congregation? This is true. This is true. And for the record, you have no argument from me, but I think part of the problem is that these preachers face they face the pressure of like of popular acceptance. In other words, like you don't want to be up there in that pulpit in that moment. <coughs> preaching and not being cheered on not being but see that's on. separate that's, that's huh? a, that's no a separate that's a separate concept right right because right, right. if 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 what you're preaching is dictated by the response you get uh-huh. then you're getting into a whole other thing and I'm going to call it self so the man asked this question, and it's hard, and I get it. It's hard. It, it, you know, you do uh, as as um, as a preacher of the gospel, you do want a response that that does help you in your sermon progression. But mm-hmm. if you get no response, and you know that this is what God has given you, right? The gospel stands. 
Right. Whether anybody likes it or not, the word right. of God stands. Right. And it, it, it should be based I'm just, on. I'm just there. I'm just right. there. That's and, you know. and, I, and I, again, I don't have any issue with that. And I, I, I guess my thing is, my thing is, we are pushing the envelope so far afield. I mean, uh, that's true. Like that's real true. Some teachers have learned to execute their audience. That's real talk right there. That's very that, real. That's real. That's, that's real very talk real. Right and it, and and Jacqueline, it becomes mechanical at that. point. Yeah, because yeah, that's right. They they know how to do it. It, it becomes mechanical yeah. at that point right. because because there's there's it, it's not about the move of the spirit. It's about the emotion of the moment. Right. Oh, did I say that? Let's let that go. Let's oh, that's all, uh, okay, we'll move on. Let's go back to Joshua now. I just want to just get that in there because we were, we were talking about preaching for a moment. I just want to drop that out there to distract us from our well, overall point. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know I love preaching. You know I love everything preaching. So that's like a thing for me. Uh, you talk about it. You huh? talk about it. You talk about it. You don't really love it. You talk about it. Why you say that? You don't really love it, Marlon. It ain't in your heart like that. You don't love it like that. <laughs> I double dog dare you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really, you don't really love it like that, Marlon. You you just talking about it. You don't love it like that. I tell you what, then invite me to your church. Oh, uh, you know, Marlon. I'm trying to get you engagements right now. I'm trying. I'm telling people everywhere everywhere I go, like. This is Barbara Williams, y'all. She is in North Carolina. Y'all need to bring, bring her to your church like last week so she can come do her thing. I'm telling you, yeah, Marvin, I'm a, I'm a, you You're going to be my you're gonna be my ministry manager. There you go. I, I'm going to start setting you up, and I'm going to tell them what your booking fees are and everything. I called I call for a uh, prominent preacher one time. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad about this at all. So please, so don't, no, one, no one take this as a rebuke or anything like that. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Disclaimer out yeah, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, I thought, you know, I'm thinking me and dude is, I thought we was friends, right? I thought he was friends. So I was like, yo, man, look, I want you to come preach for us. I want you to come preach for me. Like, my man said, oh, look, oh, I need you to call my secretary and get it all straightened up with her. I was like, that's cool. That's cool. All right, I'll do that. Call the secretary. And there were so many other stipulations and everything else going on with it. I thought to myself, should I say to her that we're friends, or was I, was this how it's supposed to go? So, you know, these things are are changing a little bit nowadays. So, were you saying that that there, when you say the stipulations? As in, there was uh, some criteria. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into it because, because be honest with you, I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I still, you know, got them to come. I spent the money it took to get them to come, but I'm just saying that it's not, it's, well, it's but, not what it used to be. It's not what it used to be. Is the point I'm making? Oh, it it's, definitely is not yeah. because I mean, um, I have like some some specific questions that I ask. Um, because you can you can't make any assumptions these days. You sure can. As to as to what people are looking for and what you know what their expectations are. You can't make no um, assumptions. Um, I know when my dad booked a lot of people, you know, he would sit there like 
okay, they're asking about this and that and the other. Like, these are their concerns, and I just want them to come preach, you know. And, you know, that that it, it's amazing. Um, and I do think that on the some hand, you do have to be responsible from uh, protecting your brand. And, and um, there's, there are some things that have to go how, into. How do we get to branding? Like, how do we get to preacher branding? How, do, how does that happen? That we started I think we've preacher always branding? had it. No, I think we've always had it. I think what is valued has changed. I think what is valued in the brand has changed. We've always had it. We've always had um, preachers of the gospel that stood for certain things and we knew what they stood for and you knew what to expect if they were your speaker. We've always had that. So, so, but, so, so, we, so, so we're talking about, I guess when we say branding, we, we, we mean that we know what these people stand for. Like we know this is Coca-Cola, so it should taste like Coke when we get it. Right. So, but what has happened now in this modern culture Mm -hmm. is it has taken on a whole different thing because branding now is very um, popular culture driven. So preachers are not necessarily given invitations because they preach a sound gospel. They're given invitations because they're popular and somebody who's declared that they're a great deliverer of the word or that we just like them that's that's what branding has turned into now and there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour yeah uh, so we move forward so we're back to because you can't because you you yeah i know Sorry. I mean, I mean, listen, look, look, look. I, I, I have had people tell me that I need to better brand myself. I need to be more glossy with what I do, and this, that, and the third. And I should be doing this to promote myself, and that. And 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 I, I mean, I, I understand what they're saying, but even now, I could, I can't quite bring myself to do it. You have the same issue I, I have. The, the the gospel and the ability to deliver the gospel should be self-explanatory. Yeah, you want it to be anyway. You want it to be. It, it, it should it, be self-explanatory. It, it's, it, it's not always that way, though. But but that's what I'm saying. It's because of our culture. This, this is what has... And when I say our culture, I'm not talking about secular culture. I'm talking about the culture of the church. Yeah, you mean church culture. Yeah, I get it. Okay, church culture. Put whichever yeah. word you want to put in front. Church culture. Yeah, I'm with you. We're on the same Church culture has 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 become so focused on issues that be that should be ten to twelve down the list. Is it toxic? Is it toxic or is it just inconvenient? Are you asking me a rhetorical yeah, I'm, question? I'm, no. <laughs> Marva, is it toxic or is it inconvenient? It's very toxic. It's very toxic. And the reason why I say that it's toxic is because while we are so concerned with all of this other stuff, there are souls at stake. Mm. And those who are in ministry are accountable to what happens on their watch. 
Can you not watch with me one hour? Ooh. Can, can you just not stay on task yeah. while I have a conversation with my father? Yeah, I, I'm with you on just, that one. Can we just stay on task? The, the, and, and that's the struggle that I have with this whole concept of branding because people need to be delivered. We live in a hurting, dying world and you are worried about whether somebody calls you by the correct title or not. See, and, and, and I think that's, that's where it comes. Like, like Jesus is talking to Peter on the, on, the, on the seashore. He's cooking fish and he says, uh, lovest thou me more than these? It's nothing wrong with you loving what you do, Peter. You're a fisherman. But do you love me more than what it is you do? I mean, Peter, you could be the best fisherman in the world. You, everybody knows you, the Peter the fisherman. But lovest thou me more than, more than these? I, I, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Marv, I think we're getting ready to let it go. Yeah, we still have not gotten to, like... <laughs> We still didn't get Jericho's walls have not fallen yet, and they're supposed to be falling sometime soon. <laughs> ain't nobody even marched yet. We ain't, well, we ain't walking around the walls yet. We, we ain't blowed. We ain't blowed a trumpet. We ain't snuck nobody into the city. Oh my goodness gracious! All right, we ain't, we ain't talked about the big grapes over there. Nothing. Just... So 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 evidently so next week. Is our last Joshua one through six week. It's our last week. We gonna march around the walls and have some falling walls before it's over. And, right. and is are you saying that prophetically? Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. speaking to the are you speaking to the situation? <laughs> we will stay on task. In Jesus' name, we will actually read a text out of the Bible in Jesus' name. <laughs> we will we will finish this discussion the way we were supposed to finish it. I, I mean, I still I still haven't gotten to my masculine affirmation because I mean they gotta at least get ready to walk around the wall and help their brother for that. So. They gotta be, yeah. They gotta get ready to do that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Mother. I don't know. I, I you know what I blame you. Oh really? Yes, I blame you. It won't be the first time I've been blamed. For something. So, <laughs> so please tell me, please tell me why why I'm to blame for this. I'm sure this will be wonderful. <laughs> I don't have a reason, Mar. Just, 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 it works. Yeah, it, just, it works this time. It works. It, just, it works. It seems like a feasible thing. I blame you. Uh, well, because it was I, my fault. I, it was my fault last week. Oh, was it? Yeah, what did you I, do last week? I don't even. I don't oh, know what you did well, last week. Well, then maybe that maybe that was your fault too. Then. <laughs> you know what? Spoken like. Say it. <sighs> Say it. Say it. Say it. God be with you. Amen. May the Lord watch. <laughs> May the Lord watch between, between me, and, me thee. and thee while, while we, we have some one, one from another. another. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bye, Marva. Take care. Bye. <laughs>